of a God who says he'll never leave us or forsake us. We have a wonderful, wonderful God. Thank you, Debbie, for uh, playing that. You ever worry about maybe some things that are going on in your life? We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights about um, what robs us of our joy and one of the fruits of the Spirit and everything. And things do happen to us. And you wonder uh, what will be the outcome of those things. And oftentimes they say, I think we worry about 90% of things that will never even happen. You know, so uh, whoever comes up with that statistics, I'm sure they stayed up all night trying to calculate that or something. I have no idea. Well, this morning I woke up with my lips kind of numb. And uh, I said last time that I need to be kissing my wife more and everything, but they were numb. And so playing the trombone was was very difficult this morning. And and I start thinking, well, what if what if I could never play that trombone again? And I just love playing that trombone. You ever think those things? What what if I what if you know what? If if that's the way it happens, you'll you'll just be that way. Uh, what if I can't? You know, whatever. You know, we, we take those things for granted. Uh, it was interesting, though, after the service this morning, it was, you know, uh, Arlene came in and she says, I just want you to know that while you were practicing this morning, that I had it on speakerphone so that my friend from California and I could talk while we we're making biscuits this morning. And she says, you tell that fellow, just keep on playing. That was great. You know, so I thought, wow, praise the Lord. You just never know. It was over speakerphone and 3,000 miles away, so you never know what they heard. <laughs> but God's good to us. And we talk about make a blessing and, and so many things here that that we want God to do in our lives. And I appreciate all the services and the service of the King. Boy, we had a wonderful time yesterday out there working. And God just brought some sunshine so we didn't have to be in the mud. That was all right. I don't mind that. Uh, by the way, next Saturday we've got another work day. And it could be the last of the chain gang crew out there. So if you want to help us with that and be a part of moving rock and all that kind of stuff, boy, we can really use it before the weather turns uh, the way it could turn, all right? So uh, as you, uh, we've already seen it this morning, haven't we? And uh, even as the rains came down today, we just thank the Lord for the, the sunshine yesterday being able to work. Well, we're in Matthew this morning in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. I've put up there the sermon part 475. And the reason I put that up there is because I can't remember what part we're on now. And... Uh, I have so much, I mean, if you were to see all the stuff that, you know, you just don't get to it. And so it's just, it just keeps going and keeps going. And, and every time I look at it, there's just something more that comes up and, and everything. And, and truly, God wants us to be able to discern. This is very, very important. God wants us to be able to see if this is the right direction or the wrong direction. Would you not agree? Have you ever been lost? You're going down the road. Maybe you have that feeling inside that maybe this is not the right way to go. Now, you can keep on going that way or you can stop and check a map. And so it is with us that God puts his spirit inside us to guide us in truth and show us things to come. And sometimes we just need to stop and we need to get back and look at the map that God has given to us. And I really want to encourage you to, to get in and to discover what God has in his word. And as we've been talking about the importance of being spirit-led, and uh, there in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, it talks about, Judge not that you be not judged. 
uh, and and we talked about that in, in, in the scriptures and and then uh, about the moat and the beam and all those kinds of things. And we've been talking about this and understanding what's going on. Help me to see. And truly, we want to see. We want to understand. It is it is so important for us to see. Uh, I was been reading in Matthew, and by the way, we've we've been talking about what brings. Uh, uh, light into our soul about being spirit led. We've been talking about this on Wednesday night. We've been having a, a long series on Wednesday nights about being spirit led. How important it is to know what God wants you to do. Each of us, as the individual priesthood of the believer, by the way, that is a Baptist belief, and I also believe that's a Bible belief. First Peter talks about that, that, that the priesthood of the believer, when you get born again, God gives you the ability to handle God's word and and to understand truth and and God wants his newborn babes to uh, to, to to drink and to eat of that that word of God and to grow up in understanding the word of God and uh, we've been talking about this the darkness in the soul and there's so much darkness that's going on today and the average Christian doesn't even recognize the darkness in his own soul he's gotten so used to it because there's so much that's in this world that's dark and so I put up there on the verse, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world. God doesn't want us to pattern our lives after how the world handles things. God has given us special marching orders found in the Word of God, and we need to be obedient to that, whether it is uh, fits into our culture, whether it's politically correct or not. We need to know what the Bible says and to do it at whatever cost it might be to you or I. We're living in a dark world. And I appreciate, I told Brother Rankin, I said, man, the verse that you picked this morning, that was a marvelous verse. Paul told Timothy, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. God wants us to preach the Word and to know what the Bible says. And can I just say, as your pastor this morning, I hope this morning we understand and we're getting this. For whatever reason, God is, is causing us to f- focus on this discernment because I believe that there's a lot of gullible people out there today. They hear things, they see things, they get involved with things that they shouldn't have. The guy calls up on the phone. He says, man, if if you sign your life away, I'm going to give you Hawaii. All right. And people do it. We have to be careful. We need to be able to discern what church is good to go to. Isn't that right? Whether a preacher is preaching the word of God or not. What I believe is it biblical sound. Is it healthy doctrine? And so it's so important for us to get into the Word. And this darkness comes in and, and, and God hopefully will show us that, hey, this stuff is there. But I'm telling you what, as it takes on more and more territory in our lives, the less we see of the light. And so we've encouraged you, get into church, get into our prayer times. By the way, can God instruct you in prayer time? Yes. Absolutely. In fact, I think that oftentimes you can... You can find God's will in prayer more than any other time in your life. Now, I know the Bible guides us. It's a lamp and it's a light. And God wants us to walk circumspectly in this world. He wants us to walk wisely. 
But in prayer, you say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And I ask wisdom. James chapter 1 says, and God says, you, you let God bring that wisdom to you. If you don't believe that God can give you wisdom, then you'll be like the man in the sea that's being tossed to and fro. You'll find the, the warnings in Hebrews chapter 5 where it says that you should have been teachers of the word, but you still got to be taught the simplistic doctrines of salvation. And the winds come and they drift us. And we find ourselves following drifts. Even in Christendom, we're following trends. We're not staying true to God's word. So I want to encourage you. Can I, as your pastor, there could come a time in America where preaching is outlawed. I mean, they tried to do it in Houston where they had the preachers bring their uh, messages to the councils to evaluate what they're saying to whether they're discriminating. In Canada, it is illegal to preach certain things. I'm just telling you, we know about Brother Lawman who is been kicked out of China because he's a pastor. But you know one of the best blessings of Brother Loman? He trained faithful men there who are carrying on the work and the church is continuing to go and the school is continuing to go. We need to understand what the Bible's. I can't say it enough. And so we get into the Bible and we get into this, these aspects of prayer. God can guide us in prayer and help from above and praise and help from our brothers and sisters. And it says here, transforming your mind by the renewing of your mind, transforming uh, yourselves by the renewing of your mind. And it is so wonderful when God shows you truth or God shows you when you've taken a step back. Had some folks after the first service, they came up and says, you know, Pastor, we've sensed ourselves drifting well, I says, you know what? That's a good thing that you can sense yourself. I'd be greatly concerned if you cannot sense that you've drifted. Sometimes it's gradual. Sometimes you just like a, a, a brick was thrown at you and you wake up and say, oh, my, I, I appreciated Brother Turner's testimony last Sunday and this Sunday, how that God got his attention. Ever had that time when God just gets your attention? Man, I, I've been having a couple of those here recently and just God getting my attention about things that are so important. And when God shows you His truth, it's so wonderful. God can help others to come alongside and help you to see those truths. And so this morning, as, as we get into the Scriptures this morning, we want our eyes to be open. Yes or no? You know, when we come to church, can I, can I just encourage you as we, we come to church, let's, let's make sure we're prepared for that this is the most important time of the week to come and worship God, that I can sing with my heart. I love these songs, uh, that uh, the choir start with all my heart. Man, that's what we started off with this morning. Man, that's great. Don't stay up late. Watch the Ducks lose their football game. I got it on my phone, Brother Larry, and I, 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 just, I, I go, went to bed, and, and that's always a dangerous place, but I decided to watch it, and so I set it up on my nightstand, and I was watching it, and, and I don't know when I fell asleep. I just fell asleep, and Janie came in, and she says, will you just turn that thing down? Well, I was sound asleep, and I woke up, and I looked at the score. The game wasn't even over yet, and this is way past my bedtime. I don't know how... You know, be prepared. Get up. Get ready. Ask God to bless. As you're driving to church, don't fight with your wife. Amen to that. And you know, by the way, you know, when I was in school, Brother Jerry, I know I was not the smartest kid in school. I really wasn't. Yeah. And so you know what I decided to do, Brother David? 
I decided that I needed to be close to the teacher because when I was close to the teacher, guess what? I made greater connections. Isn't that right? Don't you sense that? You see what I'm saying? Don't, 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 I mean, it's just, hey, by the way, how is your husband? Is he okay? He's still in the hospital. He's still in the hospital. Have they figured out what's going on? Uh, we need to be praying for Brother Vincent. Would you, uh, he's in the hospital. Had, uh, uh, they had to take a lot of fluid off his lungs, and he's still in there. Went in on, on his heart. He went in on Friday, didn't he? Or was it Thursday? A week ago tomorrow. Wow. So he had to have surgery and everything. So we'll pray for Vincent. And I hope you'll put him on your prayer list. But when we come to church, we want God to open our eyes. Uh, in Matthew chapter 20. And by the way, you just can't read the scriptures enough to discover the truths that are there. And this morning and this week I've been reading in Matthew. And by the way, uh, do you know that you can read the New Testament starting October 1st to December uh, 31st in uh, the entire New Testament in those three-month period of time. We've got the uh, schedules there on the back, starting with October. We're getting Bible pathways in. Uh, the New Testament is one-fourth of our Bible. And I would encourage you, maybe you'd like to do that. We're going to be getting Bible pathways again for next year. If people would like to be a part of that reading, or if you have other devotional times to get in to the Word of God. And when we get into the Word of God, not just to daydream, but to understand what it has to say for us and ask God. In uh, Luke chapter 24, 45, it says, Then opened he their minds to understand the Scriptures. And so I'd like to do that this morning as we get into this, this area. There was, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 20, one of my readings this past week, and it was about these blind people that came to Jesus. And it was interesting, I was reading this, and, 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 uh, and, uh, and Jesus asked this question. What was the question he asked? What do you want? And this is what they said. We want to see. Now, if you're a blind person, wouldn't that be a great request? And so this morning we say, Lord, I want to see. You know, I, yesterday in our, our, um, our work day... I mean, it was just such a blessed day. It really was. I mean, the rains held off and everything. And, and I thank the Lord for the men in our church who are skilled in so many fashions. We're finding out skills that uh, people, uh, we didn't know they had. I mean, Jerry, I mean, I'm looking at what you're doing with the railings over there. Beautiful job and everything. And Larry, with all the electronic stuff. I mean, if you went over there and saw all the electronic stuff, I mean, Richard and the skills with the technology and all that stuff... There's a lot involved there, isn't there? I mean, it's going to take a genius to figure out what we're doing over there. And praise the Lord for John Vector and the skill that God has given John to come and set up all this stuff. Who knows? I mean, we didn't even know what we were getting. We just got it, didn't we? We, we said, listen, John, we don't know anything about this. You just designed it and we're going to trust in you. He's a great Christian brother and everything. He's come out here and he's put this in and it's just amazing. Just just the security out there. We got to figure out how we're not going to be hauled off to jail so we can turn off the security system. I mean, there's all this going on. And, and yesterday, you know, I, I was thinking as my brother, Doug, you know, Doug is legally blind. You all know that, don't you? And 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 uh, and yet he can see some and, uh, and, and, I, and I was just out there, and I, and, I, and I just thank the Lord for the skill in men's hands and their abilities. It's just amazing. I, I, I marvel at Doug that he, he can set up this, 
this, uh, the, the, the sprinkler system, which is a marvelous job to make our eight acres still green over there and everything. And, and for a blind man to do that, and he's enlisted others. He's got Dean Bartell and he's got others. He's, he's, he's got our chain gang out there. Isn't that right, Brother Drew and uh, Brother Patrick and whoever else is on the chain gang? We do the digging out there and uh, we just dig where they tell us to dig and, and it works. Praise the Lord for that. And so much you're thankful for the team. Well, uh, yesterday we 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 have a problem, or we had a problem over there. And uh, last winter we discovered this problem. And praise the Lord, when you discover problems, God gives you can give you the ability to fix those problems. And and we discovered that there was an area in the parking lot. It's a gravel area in the parking lot that uh, it uh, flooded, and we called it West Side Lake. Uh, we were thinking about stocking with trout and all, and uh, that way we could have some recreation when you come to church. But we decided we could find out what's going on, and we discovered that there was a pipe in there, but the drain that they'd put in was not anything close to what should have been in there. And so the men were talking about how to fix it and everything like that, and they came up with this idea, and Doug goes out to try to find the parts, and he went, I think, Friday to go find the parts and everything, and he says, listen, we need this box about like this, and uh, and uh, it's called a bubbler, and, uh, and, and, and it's got a pipe coming into it, and it ex- uh, so the water can go in it, and it can drain the parking lot there in that little section. And the people said there, this is the company he went to, they said, we don't have anything like that. And Doug had other things to pick up, so he went out in the yard, and he was picking up these big concrete things and all, and guess what he came across? One of those things sitting there. A blind man discovered. Don't you, aren't you glad that those blind people came to Jesus and they said, we want to see. And God uses, God uses physical human illustrations to teach us spiritual truths. Now let's ask God to open our eyes this morning. Father, I pray that you open our eyes. Help us to see. Lord, open our understanding of our hearts that we might understand the scriptures. Lord, I marvel that each and every day uh, it seems that the Bible becomes alive, living. It's an organic book. Now help us to understand this morning. For, for whatever reason, Lord, you have brought us to this section and you've caused us to, to be here and you want us to listen. You want us to see. So, Lord, it's so important that we understand the Scriptures this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. When the light shines in your soul, you see so much more. And I just can't encourage enough Westside Baptist Church, you let the light shine in your soul. So we talked about this, the importance of being spirit-led. We've been talking about it on Wednesday night. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, they're going to mind the things of the spirit. And you know, when I, when I hear that word mind, there's actually two aspects of that word mind, isn't there? One is that aspect which we brought up here on this, on which what's in our mind. All right? So what's in our mind? They do mind the things of the Spirit, whoops, or the, of the things of the world. But there's also that word in the, the idea is, as a parent would say to their child, you need to mind me. How many have ever heard that before? You need to mind me. How many have said? Yeah, how many have said it? How many have said it to you blue in the face? But it's so important for our children to learn how to mind 
Isn't that right? To pay attention. Your child is walking out to the street and you say, stop! You want them to respond immediately. And so when God says, stop, there's danger ahead. We don't want to press on in our own direction. We need to listen to what God has for us. He has the best path. And then uh, Romans 8.27, which is before 8.28, which is a marvelous verse that many of us have memorized. He says, and he that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When you got saved, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God put His Spirit in your heart, and that's to illuminate your life, to guide you in truth, to show you things to come, and He can give you what God wants you to do. We need to listen. We need to see. And God uses His Word. And as we get into the Scripture this morning, we understand this. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2, which is, I encourage you to write this next down, this verse down next to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, which helps people to understand that misuse Matthew chapter 7, 1 and this 1 Corinthians 2, 15 together. So the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. A lost person cannot receive these things for they are foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them, because the things of God are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, or being spirit-led, he what? He judgeth all things. Now, here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, says, judge not. Again, that judgment is self-judgment. Here is the idea that the Spirit helps you to discern the right and wrong of things. And it is very important for us to understand the right and wrong of things. What does God want us to do? What does God want us to give? What does God want us to say? Where does God want us to live? All these things. What does God want us to buy? Yes or no? The Bible says pray without ceasing. If God has the very hairs of our head number, is He concerned about every aspect of our lives? But he that is spiritual does all things. When it says all things, what does all things mean? All things. Can I stop? How many decisions do we make without asking God for his direction? We're guilty of that, aren't we? Yet he himself is judged of no man. And so God wants us to discern. And so the importance of this, it is so important I, can't, I just can't say this enough. And we're, I hope that this morning you'll walk away saying, you know, Pastor, I get it. This is so important. Um, what does God want me to do? Does God want me to help that person or not help that person? You know, oftentimes we are self-led. We make decisions based on what's convenient or comfortable rather than what does God want me to do. And I'm going to tell you something. We get in the habits of that. When the push comes to shove, you're going to have a hard time discerning what God wants you to do. I appreciate Brother Tetro. Uh, Dr. Tetro had, he came here back in 2012. Larry, were you in on that meeting when he talked about who moved the cheese? Maybe not because I think it was in February you would remember, uh, Jerry remembers, who, he preached a message, who moved my cheese? 
And you can imagine he was addressing Westside Baptist Church because Westside Baptist Church has been on Echo Hollow for 37 years. And there's going to come a time where people are going to look for the cheese here and it's not here anymore. It's going to move. And praise the Lord, December 4th is our, de- uh, our grand opening on uh, November 20th. We're going to try to have a soft opening to get ready for it. By the way, we're supposed to close on this building Wednesday. So praise God for that and just keep praying about all those details that are being worked out and everything. That God has done a marvelous job and everything. There's still a lot of work that has to be done. We need folks in this, uh, this project and all, whether we get involved or not. But Dr. Tetro, he's been a dear friend. He's the kind of person. He picks us up at the Mesa airport there. I fly into Mesa because I get cheap tickets. Uh, and on, on a Legion airline, they don't even give you water on the plane. Uh, how many have ever flown a Legion? All right. It's cheap. It really is, uh, except if you want to buy water. All right. And, and so when we get off the plane, guess what Brother Tetro has for us? He has a bottle of water. And not only does he have a bottle of water, but he usually has a sandwich for us also. And over the years, my folks live about an hour and a half from that airport, and they're not able to travel out there to pick us up. And Dr. Tetro usually gets us a car so that we can drive. Because you can imagine renting a car for two weeks might be about $600. And so he gets us a car, and he got us a... uh, One time, our whole family was flying in. There was uh, about seven or eight of us that were flying in, and... uh, he decided his car was too small, so he asked a friend if we could use their uh, 2014 uh, red Escalade Cadillac. And uh, the extended version of that was filled with good seats, and we got to use that. And he sent me a, 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 an email this, this couple weeks ago. And he talked about uh, us coming back there again. And he talked about having to buy his wife a new car and everything like that. And he says, uh, he says we kept that Ford Fusion that was her, his wife's car. And, and we have the 2010 uh, Ram pickup truck. He, th- he says, I thought at the time when they bought the car, we'll not have to put Greg in a borrowed red Cadillac now. Isn't that something? Sad, isn't it? We can put him in the Fusion. He kept his car so that we could have a car coming down there. Isn't that something? He said, but then he said, too bad you have not found an excuse to visit your mom and dad. The car is ready. <laughs> oh, we ask God to lead us in the importance of being spirit led in the Old Testament you will discover that when Moses, in his last few chapters of Deuteronomy, you see that God led in Moses' life to hand-select the successor to Moses. And Joshua had been a very faithful man for uh, at least 40 years or thereabouts. We don't know how long and when uh, Joshua came into the picture, but we see him in the wilderness wandering. And now it's time to pass off that baton. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. I believe that Moses recognized that Joshua had the spirit of wisdom. Not often, or not, excuse me, not always was Moses or Joshua or the religious leaders popular with Israel. Do you all understand that? 
And there were times when when uh, there was some real struggles there. But Moses laid his hands upon uh, Joshua and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Would you not agree with me that if you had three million people out there that are going to go into the promised land, that you would want God's anointed doing it? Yes or no? And so this is very important. We see the same principle in the New Testament. The New Testament church is being established, and there in Acts chapter 6, there's a a difficulty taking place. And uh, the widows and uh, the Grecian and the Herodian, uh, I think it's Herodian, uh, uh, widows were struggling with their care. And so they came to the apostles and they said, hey, you help us with this. And the apostle says, listen, you go and you choose some men. And then he says this in verse 3 of Acts chapter 6. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom ye may appoint over this business. And they went out and they selected seven what's called the first deacons of the church. Now, I have a couple questions of you. If you want leadership in your church, would you want them to be spirit-led? Absolutely. Just like a pastor would want his staff to be spirit-led and people want the church to be spirit-led, we all need to be spirit-led. Amen to that? Let's make sure we're going in the right direction because a pastor can take a church off course. Leadership can take a church off course. People can take a church off course. And we've seen that over the years. You'll see some wonderful denominations that used to preach the word. They were fervent in soul winning and evangelism. No longer the light shines. And as if it was one of the seven churches in uh, Revelation where their candlestick has been removed. Very important. When God says, hey, listen, I have something against you. Make sure we pay attention. Isn't it important for our own lives if God says, listen, I have a struggle here with you. You need to pay attention. We need to follow what Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and see if there's things in my life. Now, let me ask you this question. The apostles are saying to this church, and we don't know how many, there was at least 3,000 saved at Pentecost. And then there was another 4,000 saved in Acts 4 or 5, you know. But there's a big group of these folks here and everything. And, and the apostles are saying, you choose out seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. If he's telling the church to do this, should the church be able to discern whether these qualifications are being met? Yes or no? And is it important that these qualifications be met? It is. You don't want a pastor. You don't want your deacons. You don't want anybody taking you off course. Now, I'm going to bring out some thoughts here of the Old Testament. Because we all know that Israel got off course. And you ask yourself, you scratch your head, how in the world could they get off course? Man, they saw the Red Sea. Well, you know, Deuteronomy, Moses says, he says, listen, you follow the Lord. If you don't follow the Lord, this is the blessing. This is the curse. But then Moses said, before he concluded the book, he says, listen, I know you're going to get off course. 
And so God uh, allowed people to make their choices. And they uh, at times had revival. There was revivals under the kings. There were kings that took them the wrong way. There were kings that took them the right way. There were pastors and shepherds and spiritual leaders that took them the wrong way or took them the right way. Just like in the New Testament. In fact, before we go into Isaiah, I want you to turn, if you would, to... Uh, Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, the, the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount was to correct the errors that are going on and, and for Jesus to teach what's right in the Bible. This New Testament is to teach and to correct those things that are going wrong. And you know that much of what he said in the Sermon on the Mount affected the teaching of the day. And here in chapter 15, it says, Then came Jesus, uh, came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem. And these scribes and Pharisees came to Jerusalem, and why do, they said, why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But then he answered, and who's the he there? He, Jesus answers, and he said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandments of God by your traditions. Alright. So listen. What it says here. In verse 2. It says the traditions of the elders. And then he says in verse 3. Why do you transgress the commandments of God? He's not doing away per se with trans, uh, traditions. But you need to examine. We need to evaluate. Are our traditions based on man? Or are they based on God's Word? And that's important. I grew up in a religion that started getting into traditions. And in those traditions, the church was following, uh, 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 people were following in the church and going after man's traditions rather than in handling the Word of God. And in fact, if you go back and you study church history, there was a time when the Roman Catholic Church burned Christians at the stake for having the Word of God. Do you all know that? That was back in the 1400s, just before the Protestant Reformation. John Wycliffe, you ever heard his name? John Huss. John Huss was coming up with this translation so that people could, commoners could handle the Word of God. But the Roman Catholic Church says, listen, only the priests are able to handle the Word of God. Where does that come from? It's man's truth. And so they believe this so much that they burned people at the stake. Little do they realize that First Peter chapter 2 says, we are all of the priesthood of the believer. Amen to that? And we can handle, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. You can handle the Word of God. And you need to discern whether there's something that's right or wrong, and you're following the right direction. So Israel gets off course. And I want you to understand that oftentimes it's the leadership that's in the situation that gets them off course. 
Israel was the capital, uh, I mean, the capital of Israel was Samaria, and it was destroyed in 722. What I'd like to bring out this week and next week is I'd like to bring out some of this history of these prophets. There, by the way, are 17 of the 39 books of the Old Testament are the prophets. And most of them are dealing with a window of time. Many of them are dealing with the destruction of Israel. A little bit smaller portion is dealing with Judah. They're going to be destroyed. And then there are some that are dealing uh, uh, after the uh, destruction and and coming back into the promised land and the rebuilding of the temple. You all know about those types of things, all right? Seventeen books. And what I want you to notice here is Isaiah was uh, a contemporary there of the destruction of Israel. And you'll notice that almost 40 years before the destruction of Israel... Isaiah is writing the account of the things that are taking place. And as you go through, and many people don't like the prophets because it's a lot of doom and gloom. Kind of like today, people don't like to hear truth. They don't want to hear what's real. They want to be politically correct or follow the trends of today. Isaiah gets up there and he preaches and he tells the truth and he says, Oh, if you'd only turn around. And much of the prophets actually show the mercy and grace and the long-suffering of God. But they would not. And so the Assyrians came in and destroyed Israel, the capital Samaria, in 722 B.C. Notice what he says. Isaiah 56. His watchmen are blind. you think he's talking about spiritual blindness or physical blindness? Spiritual blindness. The people that were supposed to be the guardians of Israel, their leadership, were blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. Would you agree that's pretty serious language there? They cannot bark. They're not warned. What does a dog do when he warns? He barks. You see the analogy? They're sleeping. They're lying down. They're loving. They're loving their slumber. They're loving their ease. Yea, they are greedy dogs. You begin to understand what brings this this around. You cannot, uh, which cannot, which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter. Isaiah is describing the shepherds. We see this here in Matthew. Are you still in Matthew there, by the way? I started reading it, didn't I? I didn't finish up. The idea there is is here, these, these religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, They were leading people in the wrong directions because they were following traditions rather than the Word of God. Go down to verse 8. He says, This people uh, draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of what? Man, 
Is it important for us to understand what is the way to heaven? Yes or no? There are many people in this world who are following a religion rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, He called the multitudes and He said of them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defiles a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then came His disciples and they said unto Him, listen to this, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Did you just catch what's saying? His disciples came and says, Hey, Master, Teacher, don't you know that what you just said wasn't politically correct? Does Jesus change course? He stays the course, but he answered in verse 13 and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Then verse 14, Let them alone. Talking about the Pharisees. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, what happens? They both fall in a ditch. We see two aspects of responsibilities. Shepherds and leaders need to be leading in the right direction. And the only thing that's going to be the light for those shepherds is the Word of God. That's why God says, preach the Word. But then we also see a responsibility to those who are listening to the words and not to be swayed into the wrong direction. So we see here, about the blind watchman in Isaiah 59. See if this sounds like a contemporary thought. <laughs> you see, Israel was God's chosen and God's people. They were God's elect. They were to represent God to a world and they brought in their idolatry and their false worship. And now he's talking to that nation, Israel. He says, our courts oppose the righteous. And justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets. And honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone. And anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. What does that sound like? Sounds like today, doesn't it? May God help us to be the light. May God help us to know the light and to follow that light. Uh, in I, Jeremiah, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was writing now to uh, Judah, the, the uh, southern uh, uh, tribes. And uh, their capital was Jerusalem. It was destroyed in 586. And notice again the period of time that Jeremiah, and he stands up and he preaches and he proclaims and he tells folks, oh, turn, please turn. Judgment's coming. God will be merciful if you just turn. But people wouldn't listen. In Jeremiah chapter 23, he says, woe be unto the who? Pastors. You'll find the greatest denouncement in the Bible towards the religious leaders because they become the blind 
leading the blind. We have a couple in our church that are aspiring to be pastors. We have Sunday school teachers. How important it is to get it right. In fact, Paul told Timothy, he says, you need to rightly discern or rightly divide the word of truth. Woe unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock. You've driven them away and you've not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. When I was reading Jeremiah this year, and you read about children being dashed to the rocks and ripped apart and women being dissembled and all that was going on, you say, oh, what a horrible picture. And that's what happened. Because people got in the wrong direction. I encourage you, you need to know what your Bible says. Get my word this morning? You need to follow the book more than a man or a religion. Notice here, Jeremiah thirty-seven nineteen. <clears throat> they didn't listen and and, and this, is, this is what was going on. The, the prophets, the priests are saying, Oh man, just let's have our parties. Let's have our marriages. Let's just continue on. Things aren't that bad. Oh, that guy, he's just, he's just smoking something over there. Let's not listen to him. Let's, let's, let's cheer up, man. We are Judah. Nothing could happen to us. We're God's people. But judgment came. Because God's word is true. There's a heaven. There's a hell. Someday you're going to die and you're going to face one or the other. Why not right now? Take what God says. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There's no other way. That's thus saith the Lord. May we put our faith in him. You don't want to miss heaven by your opinion or religion. You want to establish that relationship with Jesus Christ knowing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. The prophets which prophesied unto you, Jeremiah's writing, saying, you know, the king of Babylon, he's not going to come against us nor against this land. That's what they were saying. Let's, let's stand up and cheer our country. does, doesn't it? Then, and you can read all those names up there. I would probably butcher 90% of them. Mike, have you ever mastered reading these Hebrew names? I need to find someone that can. I, I listen to the Bible on my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my phone, and the guy's a master. I, I just wonder, how can somebody pronounce these? I mean, he just rattles them off just like nothing. And I get up there and I say, Then Shathetiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Hashur, and Jukal, and the son of Shalmiah, and Pashur, the son of Melchiah, heard. They, oh, they heard 
the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, this is what they said, Thus saith the Lord, he that remaineth in this city. This is what Jeremiah is saying. He that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Galileans shall live. For he shall have his life for a prey and shall live. These people are repeating Jeremiah's words saying, Listen, Judah, Jerusalem, if you stay here, you're going to die. If you flee, you'll live. And these uh, leaders of the government and uh, the religious leaders and all, uh, they were uh, bringing this out and they're saying to the king, it says, man, uh, Jeremiah is saying this city shall surely be given into the hands of the kings of the Babylonian armies, which shall take it. Therefore, the princes said unto the king, listen, we beseech thee, king, let this man, Jeremiah, be put What? To death. We don't like his message. For thus, what does he do? He weakens the hands of the men of war that remain in the city. Because you can imagine... uh, uh, but Mother Mike, if you're one of those soldiers and you're there to defend the city and the politicians are saying, hey, listen, we're going to win this. We're going to battle. And here comes this guy. Listen, if you stay here and fight, you're going to die. Well, that might be a little disheartening. Would you not agree? And so what they're saying, this isn't nationally, uh, uh, this isn't good. They're, they're disheartening this, these people and uh, their hands are getting weak. And uh, uh, for this man seeketh not the welfare for the people, but the hurt. Is that a true statement or a false statement? That is a false statement. They're saying that Jeremiah, in preaching the word, is actually hurting the people, and we want him dead. When you read the next chapters of what takes place, let me tell you, you would want to make sure you're getting the right message. Yes or no? The same with ours spiritually in every aspect of our lives. Then Zedekiah, who is the king, said, Behold, he's he's in your hands. This is a wishy-washy king. He says, For the king is not he that can do anything against you. What a milquetoast king. Then they took Jeremiah, cast him into the dungeon of Melchiah, the son of Hemelech, that was in the courts of the prison. And they let Jeremiah down with cords. And in the dungeon, there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Here is God's man in this pit. You know, I can imagine that in Jeremiah's mind, He said, man, I just told it what it was. He's called the weeping prophet. Because Judah would not return to the Lord. Oh, can I just say to you, my friends, this morning, when God speaks to your heart, follow him. Amen. Get the light of God's word. The Bible says that there's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. 
How do you know what you hear is right or wrong? How do you know what you're following is good advice or bad advice? The Bible is the light that God gives us. Father, I pray, help us. Lord, that's, that's, I, I just hope that, Lord, I've encouraged our folks this morning to get into the Word of God, to study it, to be Spirit-led, to, to, to recognize what is going on in, in, our, in our lives that we can discern. For, Lord, You told us to discern. But we're only going to be able to do that through Your amazing Word that You've kept for us as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You even told us where a young man shall cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, I pray that you'll dispel the darkness by us getting into the word. Lord, I don't understand why... A person wouldn't want to be in the Word and discover more truth. I pray that you will convict hearts of those folks here that have not been in the Word on a regular basis, that you'll help them to make sure they set a time each and every day just to get into your Word and let it be a refreshment to their soul. And, oh, Father, you said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Oh, Father, your Word will never lead us astray. But, oh, it will keep us from the drifts of the winds of the time. And what we see happening in our churches and in America is the winds are blowing strong in the wrong direction. And sometimes we might be feeling like we're standing there in a hurricane. We might feel like sometimes we're standing all alone. But, Lord, help us to understand that even though we might be thrown into the miry clay, you said that you will set our feet upon a rock and you will establish our going. Thank you, Lord. That's in Isaiah. God, thank you. Thank you for the treasured Word of God. It is my prayer that we will just get a hunger for it. And that, Lord, it wouldn't wouldn't be like eating turnip greens, but it would be like eating ice cream. So give us a hunger as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. Lord, help us as, as, as in Hebrews chapter 5 where it ought to be that we should be able to help others on their journey because we have a discerning eye. We are not leading people in the wrong direction by what we're saying, but we're leading people in the right direction. God, help us all, this preacher included, in so many responsibilities that we have. You said it's a fearful thing to handle the Word of God and that a teacher needs to, to, to handle it wisely because he will be responsible for what he says and does. Thank you for this church. And as we gear up for a, a new building and all, may this church always be about excellence in the Word of God. 
I thank you for our Sunday school teachers. I thank you for men and women in this church that are there to handle the Word of God. I thank you that you can give us wisdom. And we don't have to doubt that you give us wisdom or else we're going to be tossed to and fro. Thank you, Father, for the sure Word, the solid foundation. And we can put our house upon the rock. And when the storms come and the difficulties like they came to Brother Lawman, that he can stand and say, Lord, I did what you asked me to do, even though he was kicked out of China. There's a church still going because the men and women of that church are handling the Word of God. Thank you for that. Now I praise you for this invitation time. And however you might work, in Jesus' name, amen.